please join me in prayer um, as, as we go into the sermon for today. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so tired, honestly. Um, we've been through a lot as... Um, as I guess individuals living in a world that is very broken um, and that has so much conflict and disease and just troubles, Lord. And I just pray that as we um, come to you now to worship, as we come to you and, and focus on your word and, and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, I pray that you would speak words of hope, words of life, uh, words of encouragement to to revive us, to Give us not just hope, but also a purpose. Um, Father, we believe that through it all, you're, you're with us and that you're guiding us um, and that you have a plan to bring about redemption and healing. And so, Father, we pray for that faith to be able to see the invisible and to be able to trust the intangible. And I also ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit uh, on me as, as I share this message today. And for all those who are watching and listening, that Father God, uh, your Spirit would work in a mighty way so that your word will not go back to you empty. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. Can you believe it's the end of July? I cannot believe how quickly this year has passed by. Um Roy had this great idea last week of saying, hey, you know, it's it's almost July 25th. Let's do Christmas in July. And so I know some of you um, are doing the Secret Santa. Um, so we're looking forward to next. So don't tell, you know, who your, your person, who you are. Try to send your gift um, anonymously if possible. Um, and then next weekend during our, we're going to have a, a little kind of reveal session. And so... Um, yeah, I hope, I hope it's something to look forward to and something to, to distract you a bit from, from what's happening. Um, but yeah, Christmas in July. And so we thought, Hey, let's, let's build on this theme. And so today, um, I know that, um, it's not Christmas, but we're doing a little bit of a plan, the Christmas in July theme here because tomorrow's July 25th. And we're looking at the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Because Christmas, we could all use a bit of cheering up, um, and Christmas is about good news, and we could use some good news right now. Some scholars actually believe that Jesus was born in uh, in July. Um, some said between July to September. Um, so who knows? You know, this might be around the time that Jesus was born many years ago. You know, so many people, as they, uh, when Jesus was born, you would think that so many people would have celebrated, right? This, this birth of Messiah that had been foretold for centuries. But many people missed it. And it's very interesting when you go back in history and you look at what was going on in the times. The signs had been there. Um, many, 500, about 500 years before the birth of Jesus, God had spoken to a man named Daniel and God had given him this prophecy that had a timeline of when the Messiah would come and redeem God's people. And so if the, if people wanted to study the prophecies, um, it was written in the book of Daniel in the scrolls and they had access to that. And the priests and the rulers, they could have done the math and they would have known that that 500 year time period was, was coming to an end and that the Messiah was coming very soon. But the prophecy didn't seem to have gotten their attention. 
12 months before Jesus was born, the same angel Gabriel that had uh, revealed that timeline to Daniel now came to a man named Zechariah who was in the temple and he was ministering as a priest there. And the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that he and his wife, Elizabeth, were going to have a son and that they were to name this son John and that John was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And this was a miracle because Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old, past childbearing age, um, and everyone in Jerusalem had, had known about this couple. And because of the miracle of this birth, you would think that people were once again waiting and looking for the Messiah to be born. But neither the prophecy nor this miracle baby of, of John the um, Baptist seemed to have gotten anyone's attention, really. And so when Jesus was born... No one seemed to have cared. Perhaps they were too busy registering for the census because Caesar Augustus, who, 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 ro- who ruled uh, Israel during that time and that Palestinian region, he had said that everyone needed to, to be uh, you know, registered for the census and that meant everyone had to return to their native hometown. And so that, that's why Mary and Joseph had returned to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph's lineage was from. So perhaps everyone was so busy, right, traveling and, and making sure that they were uh, in, in compliance and, and doing all these things that they were just too busy to notice and think about all the signs that had been there. The religious leaders, you know, even though they knew the text and the prophecy, and even though they had heard about this miracle in Jerusalem, and they had, I'm sure, heard the stories that were coming through about the Messiah and the angels that were visiting. It wasn't a common occurrence for angels to come and visit people. And, and Angel Gabriel had been very busy um, announcing good news. And so you would think that the religious leaders would, would be, you know, have their ears on the ground and, and, and be ready to, to jump to hear of the birth of Messiah. But perhaps they too were looking in the wrong places. Perhaps they were looking at the the families, you know, from noble uh, birth and and the families with prestige and wealth. They were not expecting a young girl having a baby in a barn, right? Whose husband was a carpenter, and not just having this baby in a barn, but having this baby in a barn because no one had room for them. And when I read that story in Luke, I always think to myself, surely someone must have had compassion on this young girl who they can tell is in labor um, and had said, hey, you can have my room for the night. But no, no one had made space for Mary. And so she had baby Jesus in the barn. I think this is why the angels sang. Prophecy, miracles, and signs were not enough to get people's attention. And so the angels sang. They wanted someone, anyone, to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. And the angels of heaven must have been shocked at at seeing the indifference of humanity. After all, Jesus' birth was good news for them. The angels didn't need saving. They already had, you know, were in God's presence um, for eternity, but it was humanity that, that desperately needed a savior to be born, that desperately needed that reconciliation between God and us. And yet it was humanity that was indifferent. Humanity that, uh, that were in suffering, right? Suffering from all the sin and, and pain and, and, and injustice as a result of the sins of thousands of generations. And here they are not caring that their savior is born. 
And so I think the angels sang because they couldn't, they just wanted to share this good news. They must have thought if only we tell them, they can have hope. And so we, we see this, um, singing happening in Luke chapter two to the one audience who could see and hear them out of the open air. It reads in Luke chapter two, verses eight to 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now I know the text said that the angel said this, but it reads that they praised God and said this. And, and in the book of Revelation, it talks about the angels singing and saying this, uh, alleluia for, for God's, uh, reigns, etc. And so we can assume that the angels in fact had burst into song. And can you imagine? It's not just one or two or a dozen, but it says a multitude of angels, right? Can you imagine the multitude of voices? singing and and shouting and proclaiming this good news the brilliance of those angels would have you know made an impression on the shepherd's mind that would have lasted their entire lifetimes i remember um in 2004 i went to france uh for a summer summer um kind of like a i don't even know what to call it like a work experience a summer work experience um in france and it was the third year of my uni. Um, so I had one more year to go before graduation. And I got to go to um, Aix-en-Provence and um, not far from there. So I had found a, a church to attend um, on Sabbath. And I met this amazing couple. And I've preached about them before years ago. But um, this couple lived up in the mountains of Sister Hon. And I was, um, I became good friends with them and I would go up with them to the mountains on the weekend. So I would work during the week and on the weekends I would go up the entire summer. I did this. And, um, at the very end, I spent a whole week, almost two weeks there. And every night, right. I would be up in this mountain where there's no, you know, electric lights anywhere. So, you know, once, once it was bedtime, all the lights are off and there's, not a single artificial light around. And I look up at the stars and, you know, back then I only had a disposable camera, so I couldn't really get a picture. But here is one, um, oopsie. Here's a picture of what, kind of what it looked like. I mean, I cannot explain when you're there in person and the stars, you know, that, that song, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, I understood that song for the first time when I was, when I was there because the stars twinkle, they, they, they move. They're not just static and you can just, the brilliance of, and, and the dynamic just, um, shining and twinkling and falling stars was just amazing. And looking at, looking up at those stars, you know, I felt so small and insignificant, but I also felt so incredibly close to God because while I was there in those mountains, I was there for days, right? 
no internet, no mobile phone at that time, nothing to distract me except just hours and hours, just me and God. And um, I really needed that peace. You know, growing up, um, I had never really had a period of that kind of peace because, um, you know, when I was seven, my, my family immigrated from, from South Korea to the U.S., and it was quite a shock to our system and to our family. Um, and I didn't even know the alphabet, um, when I, when I landed in Los Angeles. So I had to, you know, learn a whole new language and acclimate to a whole new culture. Um, and let me tell you, LA is, is not the greatest of places to, um, <laughs> uh, when you're a seven year old girl trying to adjust to this, uh, uh, this is not culture. And so it was really tough for our family. Um, my parents too were trying to adjust and, and, um, it was really tough going in and my parents are amazing parents and always their faith in God never wavered and, and their devotion to us never wavered. Um, but I was old enough to see the stress in their eyes. I was old enough to, to hear the straining, straining their voices, um, just from the exhaustion of trying to, trying to make life work. Um, and so growing up, you know, it was always, it was always, um, that underlying anxiety of, are we going to have, are we going to have enough bill, you know, money to pay our bills? You know, are we going to have a roof over our heads? Are we going to have, you know, food on the table? And my parents always provided, they somehow always made it work and God always provided. Um, but you know, from the age of 15, I got a part-time job and, and, um, so I was always working and I had never stopped. And so, you know, started working part-time, um, while I was studying, worked all the way through, worked through summer holidays, went to uni, um, got, had three part-time jobs while in uni, worked through the summer holidays. And so here I am in 2004 in France. And yes, I worked during the week, but honestly, that work was so so easy because I worked at this museum where I just had to sit there and um, like stamp things. <laughs> and so um, I would work there during the week. Um, and then on the weekends, I would go up to this mountain with this couple and they were so lovely and they went to bed very early at like 6.30, 7pm. And then the rest of the night, I had to myself and to God. Um, and it was for the, for the first time in my life, I had nothing to do. And except just to really be still and and listen to God. And I spent hours in prayer, hours uh, reading my Bible, hours just looking at the stars, um, hours just silencing all the voices that had been in my head for so many years and getting away from the frantic pace that I had lived at for so many years and just being able to concentrate on what God had to say to me. And I, and I still remember, you know, looking up at those stars and asking God, you know, oceans away from my family and friends where nobody knew my accomplishments or my failures. Face to face with God, I saw who I was and who I wanted to be. And I asked God if he could see me. And I felt that he could. And, and I really felt by the end of that summer, I was there for about 10 weeks. I really knew from the bottom of my heart that God had healed and redeemed my heart from, from years of anxiety and stress. And that doesn't mean I never felt that again. Trust me, I feel that now during this lockdown. But I really felt 
when I was able to get away and just spend that quality time with God and, and be still and look up at those stars and really listen to God, in that moment, I felt that peace that always then became an anchor for my soul, that peace that no matter what I go through, what, whatever circumstances in life, that God is with me and He hears me and He sees me. And I wanted to serve Him for the rest of my life. Glory to God in the highest and an earth peace, goodwill towards men is a song in the night that is not a lullaby, lulling us to sleep and, and making us, you know, just drift off. But that song in the night is, is, is also not an absence of trouble. It's not saying, you know, okay, great. Now everything in life is going to be all right because God is just going to, you know, shield us from all trouble. No, but that instead that song in the night is, is providing us a peace, right? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That peace is a peace that can heal our troubled hearts. It's a peace that gives us hope and a purpose. It's a peace that acknowledges the pain and the sorrows of life, but that also surrenders to God and, and says to him, glory to God anyway, because salvation doesn't always come in the form and the time we expect. That baby in the manger didn't bring immediate salvation. There was distress and loss and pain all around Jesus and, and throughout his life as he grew up. And we know it, when we look at the life of Jesus that death came before resurrection and that suffering came before the glory. But the glory did come. And because Jesus resurrected, we have this assurance that we too will be renewed and healed and restored and resurrected. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men is a song in the night that is a promise that we can claim that no matter what the storms of life may be, God sees us and he hears us and is with us. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago. He and his wife, Anna, had four daughters and one son. Sadly, the son died from pneumonia in 1871. And that same year, much of their business was lost in the Great Chicago Fire. After going through a difficult few years trying to rebuild their lives, they decided um, they needed a bit of a break. And so they decided to go to Europe. Um, the whole family was supposed to go, but um, a business emergency came up. And so Anna and their four daughters, aged 2 to 11, boarded a ship crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe. And Horatio, Horatio said that he would come as soon as he could on the very next ship. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the ship with Anna and the four girls collided with another ship. And in about 12 minutes, the ship sunk. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship had gone down spotted a woman floating on a piece of the wreckage. And it was... Anna, unconscious and badly hurt, but still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel. Nine days later, landed in Wales, and from there she wired her husband a message that, that began with the heartbreaking words, Saved alone, what shall I do? 
Horatio got the message and um, got on the ship, the next available ship to join his grieving wife. And when the ship was about four days out, the captain who knew what had happened called um, Horatio over to tell him that they were now sailing over the very spot where his children had gone down. And that night in his cabin, Horatio Spafford wrote these words that later became a hymn. This is the original version that he wrote on that ship. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. For me be Christ, be Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll. No pang shall be mine, for in death as in life thou shalt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when thy faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, a song in the night, O my soul. You see, Horatio knew that when that trumpet sounds and Jesus comes again, his girls will be resurrected and he will be reunited with them. And because of that hope, because of that blessed assurance, because Jesus has redeemed us and has given us that promise of eternal life, Horatio could sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. It's a song of promise. It's a song in the night that tells us that the morning is coming. That great resurrection morning when all will be healed and restored. The signs are telling us that Jesus is coming again. And until that day, we have good news to share. Some of you have, may have already heard this story about Horatio and Anna Spafford and about this song. But did you know that after they lost their precious children, they moved from Chicago to Jerusalem and they started philanthropic work for the people in Jerusalem. Whether they were Jewish or Muslim or Christian, anyone who needed help was helped and no one was turned away. Horatio and Anna ran soup kitchens, hospitals, orphanages. After Horatio's death, Anna started a Muslim girls' school and she sponsored a music club, arts club, drama club. They, Anna and Horatio um, went on to have more children, and, and their oldest surviving child, Bertha, grew up helping her mother run this outreach center. After Anna's death, Bertha established a children's facility that provided pediatric care and social services to children throughout Jerusalem during both World Wars and the Six-Day War. 
She operated the center until her death, and her children and her grandchildren continue to be on the board of trustees of the Spafford Children's Center, which still operates today. They help disadvantaged Palestinian children grow and thrive through education and social support and counseling. They help mothers and children. So this still runs. You can still go visit. It's in the exact same spot that Horatio and Anna Spafford first bought back in the 1800s. Songs in the night give us hope and a purpose for living. They give us direction. When the angels heard, uh, sorry, when the shepherds heard the angels sing, it gave them this new purpose and this new impetus to go out. And so we see in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20, So it was when the angels had gone away from them to heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told to them. The refrain of the angels had become the chorus of the shepherds. Now they were going around giving God glory, sharing this good news that peace had come now because the Messiah has been born. Yes, the Messiah is just a baby. He hasn't done any saving yet. There is still so much pain and suffering, right? The world hasn't changed yet, but there is now this plan that is in action. There is now this hope that is there and this promise that will be fulfilled. And so the shepherds are able to take up the song of the night. They're able to share that song with others. Everyone that they passed, they shared this good news that Jesus was born. And that's what Anna and Horatio Spafford lived for. Glory to God in the highest and peace, goodwill towards mankind. It's what Jesus lived for. His whole life and ministry was all about being, bringing glory to God and bringing peace and goodwill towards humanity. And that's also why he died, to bring glory to God and to bring about peace for us. So that no matter what we're going through today, no matter what we're going through this week, we can still glorify God in our lives by living, living for peace and the goodwill of those around us. And by believing in the promise, that song in the night, that Jesus has come, that he has redeemed us, and that he is coming again. And because of that hope and that promise that he is coming back and that he will make all things whole, we can sing in the night. We can have hope and faith through our trials and through our storms. And it is my prayer that these songs in the night will bring us comfort, will bring us purpose, and will give us that message to share with others. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to be able to spend time with you during the remaining few, remaining few days of this lockdown. 
not just distracting ourselves from our troubles, but coming away from the things we usually turn to, and instead just turning to you, looking up at the stars, listening to your song in the night, listening to your voice, being able to provide us that peace that no one else can give, that nothing else can give, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that only you can provide as our Redeemer, our Savior, our King. And Father, we pray for that peace for our souls. We we pray for that peace for those that we love around us. We pray for your Holy Spirit to bring us a new Christmas miracle of being born, not in Bethlehem, but in our hearts. And Father, we believe that if you could be born in the smelliest, dirtiest of places, that you can be born in our hearts and you can redeem our hearts. You can heal our hearts and make our hearts the holiest of holies. And that, Father God, as a result, we would have that peace that can withstand the storms of life and that can still give us purpose and direction and meaning and that can inspire us to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards mankind. I pray in your son's name. Amen.